1: welcome to practical living with dale o'shield senior pastor of church of the redeemer in maryland we pray that through this message you will learn how to apply god's word and truth to your life stay with us as we discover god's truths that will transform us
0: i want to come today to a unique concept a unique principle a unique step in the journey of recovery. and I want to talk to you about one simple little word, a three-letter word, but the word is end. That is, what I mean by that is to recover in your life, you have to learn something about the word end. E-N-D. Think, think of that with me for a moment. An end. Bringing something to a conclusion. You'll never understand the pathway to recovery without understanding something about endings. Endings are powerful things in your life. And I want us to look at four lessons from the Bible that teaches us about the endings that will help us to move forward to our full recovery. Do you want to recover in your life? I believe that you do. I believe the very reason that you're watching this weekend is because there's a desire in you. You would not even be watching if we're not for something in you that says, God, I want more of you and I want more of your work in my life. So how does God do this? He teaches us some things about Endings. So can I share with you for the next few moments four very important things that you and I need to understand from the Bible about endings and how endings relate to recovery. First of all, we need to understand that healthy, here's the principle, healthy new beginnings always follow proper endings. I'll say that again. A healthy new beginning in your life is always going to follow a proper ending. One of the facts of life that you and I need to recognize is that you cannot really have a new beginning without some kind of ending. Actually, the principle of beginning means that something has ended. Certain things have to end for new things to begin because new and old don't mix well, especially when we're talking about our attitudes and our thoughts, our behaviors, our habits. That is, you can't embrace something new without understanding the proper resolution or ending to something that is old. Jesus himself talked about this a number of places, but very specifically in Luke chapter 5, verses 36 through 39. I want you to listen to what Jesus said about old and new, endings and beginnings. Then Jesus used this illustration. I'm reading from the Living Bible. Then Jesus used this illustration. No one tears off a piece of a new garment, notice the word new, to make a patch for an old one. Not only will the new garment be ruined, but the old garment will look worse with a new patch on it. And notice this. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Notice the the comparison between new and old again. For the new wine bursts the old skins, ruining the skins and spilling the wine. No, new wine must be put into new wine skins, but no one after drinking the old wine seems to want the fresh and the new. The old ways are best, they say. What was Jesus talking about here? A lot of things that we could understand from Jesus' words here. He was specifically talking to the Pharisees and trying to help the Pharisees understand that his way and his way to relationship with God is very different or was very different from the way that they approached their relationship with God in terms of the law versus grace. A lot of principles he was teaching those religious leaders. But there's also value for us in what he's saying here. He's talking about embracing something new and dealing with something that is old. You can't put new wine, that word neos is the word that represents something that is brand new, into old wineskins. No, new wine, something that is brand new, something that is fresh, something that is uh, actually has a new beginning associated with it, can't be put in that which is old, it needs to go into something that is new. And so he's describing for us dealing with something old, bringing something to an ending, so you can now embrace a new beginning. Proper endings are always essential to new beginnings, especially when it comes to your attitudes and your thinking processes, to your way of living, uh, when, you, when it comes to habits in your life. You have to end something old before you embrace something new. You cannot have a new life without letting go, go of your old life. You can't be a new person without giving up the old person. You can't develop new habits without stopping Old habits. You can't embrace new priorities and new values without saying goodbye to the old ones. You can't get well if you're deci- if you've decided to stay sick. Wellness is actually the end of sickness. You can't show love while you're retaining hatred. You can't be forgiven while being. You can't experience forgiveness in your life without forgiving other people. You can't forgive well without receiving forgiveness in your life. The examples could go on and on. That there is an ending. A proper ending that leads us to new beginnings. There's a reality that you and I must understand and accept new beginnings are impossible without proper endings. You can't have new while holding on to the old. Healthy new beginnings require proper endings. Second principle today. The scripture teaches us that Jesus helps. He helps you begin what you need to begin and he will help you end what you need to end. Let me say that again. Jesus in your life wants to help you. He wants to help you begin what you need to begin, but he also wants to help you end what you need to end. Jesus' character and his nature are described in lots of places in the Bible. We could go actually through Old and New Testament and understand something about the nature, who Jesus is, his character, who, what he does for people. And Jesus described himself to us in the book of Revelation in a very clear way. He showed us who He was, again amidst all the things that He revealed to us about Himself. I want you to listen to what He said to John the Apostle in John chapter 1 verse 8. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And then in verse chapter 21 verse 6 He expands upon what the concept of Alpha and Omega means. He said to me, that is to John the Apostle. God said to him, Jesus said to him, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Notice that phrase again. The Now he describes what that means, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. And then again in chapter 22 of Revelation, verse 13, 13, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, or the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. So what did Jesus' mean when he says, I am the alpha and the omega. I am the beginning, and I am the end. I am the first, and I am the last. He's describing for us his nature and the importance for us to understand that Jesus is the author of new things in our lives, and he's the helper in the endings of our life. I'm the alpha. I will help you in your new beginnings, and I'm the omega. I'm the end. I will help you in your endings. So Jesus helps you begin what you need to begin, and he helps you end those things that you need to end in your life. I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. But remember who Jesus is. He's the one that helps you start the new things that you need to start in your life. And he also helps you end the things that you need to end, especially we're talking about attitudes and thought processes and behaviors and attitudes and ways of living Certain things need to come to an end for you to experience recovery or you to experience a new beginning. That leads me to my third point today. The third point is that recovery is a new beginning. When we talk about recovery, we're actually talking about a new beginning, getting back to better. Not just going back, but back to something better, back to a new beginning. It's what recovery is all about. And better implies that which is improved over what was before. Think about that for a moment. Better is, it's better. Better is it's improved over what it was before. See, real recovery isn't just going back, but it's going back to better. Better is new. Better is different than before. It is a new beginning. It requires closure on the old and the embracing of the new. Anytime you study the concept of moving forward, recovering in life or restoration in life, whether you study it from a spiritual perspective or a psychological perspective, oftentimes the word will come up, closure, that you and I have to have closure on things in our lives so that we can move forward in life. A lot of the reason why people are not moving forward in life is because they haven't closed out some chapters in their life. They haven't ended something well, and as long as you're holding on to something that is old that you haven't ended well, it's going to impede your capacity to move forward toward the new. So closure is just bringing to an end. It's bringing to a conclusion, bringing to a completion and a satisfying sense of finality. Finishing something well so you can enter something appropriately. It's hard to move forward to a new beginning, a recovered life, when you're still carrying a lot of emotional and relational baggage in your life. If I were trying to go on a journey and travel a distance, I I, I would certainly want to take the right appropriate things with me, but I don't want to take a lot of extra baggage. And there are a lot of people trying to traverse, go through life, and they've got all this massive amount of baggage that they're carrying with them. And so what ending relates to is closure or closing out or dealing with the baggage that you're carrying with you so that you have the energy, the capacity, the strength to move forward. It's about letting go of things that you're carrying that are sinful, that are dysfunctional, that are counterproductive to your future, counterproductive to your progress, and yes, even counterproductive to your health. It involves bringing an end to sin or to pain so you experience healing or to dysfunction, so you experience health or to crippling issues, so you can have resolution in your life. There's a great example of this in John chapter 5, the first nine verses. We've talked about this passage before in the series, but I want you to listen to it again, because again, we're talking about ending something, closing something out, closing some chapters in your life, so you can enter into new chapters in your life. And this story is, Gives us lots of lessons, but this is one of the lessons that you find in the story. It's about a man experiencing some closure, coming to some end, an end of some things in his thinking, so he could embrace a new realm of life that Jesus was offering him. John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. Listen to what it says, reading from the NIV. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. "...from time to time an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had." One was there, now think about this, we've been looking at the picture, There's all. this is the pool of Bethesda, there are all kind of people's, people lying around the pool that are sick and disabled and so now the spotlight of scripture goes on one particular man that Jesus takes note of. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years, so for a very long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? It's a very important question. We've talked about it before, but I want to bring it back to your attention again this weekend. Do you want to get well? Now, notice how he responds, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Now stop there with me for a moment. Jesus says to the man lying there 38 years, he's been in this condition. Jesus says, do you you want to get well right now? Would you like your life to be better? As soon as he hears this question, do you want to get well? Instead of embracing what was in the now, he turns to his past and says, well, I've tried it before. It's never worked before. I've never been able to get in. Other people seem to get in before me. And so he, he goes from the present to the past. Why? Because he hasn't closed out those chapters of his life. He can't embrace what is possible and what might be new for his life because he's still living in the other part of life what was impossible for him. So he's not able to embrace everything Jesus said. Now, Jesus steps right back into the picture after this man has given his excuse, after this man has said, "No, I'm stuck in my past. Jesus steps in and says this. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. Please notice this. He picked up his mat and walked. Here's the part of the story that I want you to get. Again, so many things here. But here's the part of the story that I want you to get. The man spit 38 years on a mat. For 38 years, that's all he knew. That was his life. His life was defined by his mat. If you ask the man who he was, he said, I'm the mat man. I live on the mat. That's my home. That's my abode. That's my identity. Everywhere I go, I have to have my mat. His daily provisions were supplied by the benevolence of people who would come to him while he was on his mat. And it is possible, I don't know for sure, but I would submit this to you as a very reasonable, reasonable possibility. It is possible that this man had become comfortable or at least accepting of his situation on his mat. He had settled in to what was with no hope or no vision of what could be in his future. He identified himself with his mat. He could not close that chapter out of his life. And that's why I believe Jesus asked him the question, do you want to get well? Can you see that there's another life that is possible for you? I want you to notice how the healing came to this man. Jesus commanded him to do three things. He didn't respond to the man's uh, objections or the man's excuses. He, he asked him to do three things. And failure to do these three things would have cost him his healing. But because he did these three things, he received something fresh and something new, a new beginning or a recovery in his life. He told the man, get up, pick up, hit, pick up your mat and walk. Notice right sandwiched in between the get up and walk is the pick up your mat. Move from the identity of where you've been. Put some closure on this part of your life. Get up now and take that mat that has defined you for thirty-eight years and put a close. Bring it to an end and start walking without the without the identity being you're the man on the mat. No, I want you to move forward with your life. Get up, pick up your mat. Don't lie on your mat any longer. Pick it up and walk. And so Jesus moved the man from his past from what was, and he helped him to come to an ending of of dealing or living on the basis of his mat, and he moved him toward present possibilities in his life. The lying down on the mat had to end before he could start walking and experiencing the recovery that he had in his life. Some things have to end. Listen, folks. Some things have to end if recovery is going to begin. You can't experience recovery in your life without some endings. It's true for all of us. No proper ending, no new beginnings. So what is your mat? What are you carrying around with you from your past that you've identified with? And it's who you are in your mind. And you're saying, my goodness, I'm not sure I'll ever be able to be anything beyond this. And I can't seem to get closure on this part of my life. I need to get rid of this thing so I can can move on. And I don't know how to get rid of it. Jesus is the one that helps us. As I mentioned a moment ago, he's the one that helps us. End things that need to end and begin things that need to begin as he did for this man. Let me bring, to you, bring you to my final point today and this is perhaps the essence of what I want to communicate to you this weekend. Very important statement. Breakthroughs. Do you want a breakthrough in your life? Breakthroughs follow breakups. If you want a breakthrough in your life, you've got to break up with some things. And the story that we just looked at John, John chapter 5. The man at the pool of Bethesda had to break up with his mat as I'm breaking up with you, I've lived on you for 38 years. But today, I'm bringing this relationship to an end. I don't have a relationship with you anymore, Matt. I'm not going to live on you. It's not going to be my identity any longer. And so he's now come to that point. in the breakup with the Matt led to the breakthrough in his life. He had to break up with his mat before he had the breakup in his life. I'm going to give you a checklist you need to break up with if you're going to have recovery. First of all, you have to break up with your regrets. You can't live in regret forever. A regret is always looking back. I'm not saying that you should not learn from your mistakes. You absolutely should. But you don't want to live a life where you're always looking back and regretting how you've lived your life. Yes, you've made some mistakes. Yes, there have been some things in life you would have done differently. Differently, and you would have done better. But right now, learn from them and move forward. Second of all, break up with hopelessness in your life. You're not a person that has no hope. No, no matter where you are in your life right now, there is a hope for you and a hope for your future. Thirdly, break up with shame. Get rid of it from your life. Give it no place in your life because shame really is condemnation. It's that voice of the adversary that speaks into your life and tells you how bad you are. Shame is not just about a mistake you've made. It's about the fact that it makes you feel like you are the mistake. And so shame comes in. It's like a dark cloud that comes in upon you. And if you're going to move forward, you need to put an end to that. You need to break up with your regrets and break up with your hopelessness and break up with your shame. And then break up with your self-hatred. Dear one, I want you to know something today, that God loves you, and you're valued to God. You're important to God, and He wants you to experience a proper appreciation of who He's made you to be. Does it mean that any of us should live in pride or arrogance? Absolutely not. We need to live with a sense of humility and appreciation for the grace of God that rescues us, that we're absolutely unworthy of. But there should not be a place in our life for hating ourselves. Self-hatred will only bring destruction to your life. So break up with this anger that you have toward you and then make sure you break up with resentment, whatever resentments you're carrying in life. You might be resenting God. You might be resenting the circumstances you were born into. You might be resenting a particular person that came into your life that had an impact upon your life that was negative. You might be resenting someone that hurt you in some way. I don't know what your resentments might be, but I will tell you that could be your mat. Your mat might be you're lying down on your regrets. You're lying down on your hopelessness. You're lying down on your shame. You're lying down on your self-hatred. You're lying down on your resentment. And then, if you will, break up with your bitter See, bitterness goes deeper than resentment. I can resent someone and yet still not necessarily maintain a bitter spirit or develop a bitter spirit. But bitterness gets down inside of you and it poisons you. It, It affects the way you view the world around you, the way you view other people. You become cynical and skeptical of everybody and untrusting. And bitterness just makes you a sour person. And so that might be the mat that is keeping you down. Break up with your bitterness. Break up with your hatred. Maybe you have hatred sort towards someone. Again, it's not just a, a, a modest level of resentment. No, you actually hate that person. And that hatred has become the mat that is keeping you in a sick place in your life. Break up with your self-pity. Yes, break up with your self-pity. How many times do we have these moments where we we call a party and we have this pity party. We call me, myself, and I. We all get around together, the three of us, me, myself, and I, and we talk about how miserable our lives are and that we, and we infest ourselves with and envenomate and, and ourselves with all this pity that we carry inside of us. And it's a mat. It causes us to continue to lie in our sickness and pain. We need to break up with that. It needs to come to an end. Number nine, break up with your rejection. Yes, you've been rejected. So have I. We all have been. There's not a single person who's not experienced some level of rejection in life. And so rejection is something that's a part of life. As long as you live, somebody is going to reject you as long as you live. Somebody is not going to like you. They're not going to approve of you. They're not going to necessarily give you the accolades or the affirmations that you're longing for in life. Just come to the recognition that rejections are a part of life, and don't let rejection define you. Just because somebody rejected you doesn't make you worthless, doesn't make you of no value. No, God has accepted you. You're a part of his family if you know Jesus as Lord of your life. Break up with rejection. Break up with fear. Don't let it control your life. Declare that fear is not going to be Lord over you. Break up with worry and anxiety and break up with laziness. Yes, I said it, laziness. You know, sometimes you're mad at just being lazy, saying, I don't want to put much energy in. So because you don't put much in, you get very little out of life. And so at some point in time, we have to say, I'm going to be the disciplined person that I need to be. I need to break up with laziness. need to break up. Are you ready for another one? Procrastination. Well, I'll do that tomorrow, I'll get better tomorrow, I'll deal with this another day. And you kind of keep pushing it off till, till mañana, that someday your mañana will come, your day will come when you'll deal with the issues in your life. No, break up with that mat. Don't let it be the way your life is defined. Bring it to an end and break up with your stubbornness and your negativity come to a place where you write a dear John letter to all these things in your life and say I'm bringing this relationship my relationship with regret and hopelessness and shame and self-hatred and resentment and bitterness and hatred and self-pity and rejection and fear and worry and laziness and procrastination and stubbornness and negativity no I'm breaking up with all that stuff it's not going to be who I am with my life that's my mat I'm going to pick up my mat I'm going to start walking
1: You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shields, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.
0: Hi, this is Pastor Dale O'Shields of Church of the Redeemer in Gaithersburg, Maryland. I want to invite you to tune in to our weekly radio program titled Practical Living, Practical Living right here on WAVA every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. And I also would encourage you to join us for one of our weekend worship services. All the information about services and locations can be found at our website at church-redeemer.org. That's (laughs) church-redeemer.org.